Warning, this show contains adult themes and language, including a totally spontaneous gathering for some light insurrection. Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it. This episode was released on January 31st, 2022, and we are discussing disevidentia because it is clear millions of people who think Antifa did January 6th are suffering from it. I am Squeaky. And I am Mako. We discuss logic and evidence. Because we know that if you have evidence of conspiracy, court is the best place to show it. You can support us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia. If you spent the last of your money on lawyers defending you from sedition charges, you can still like, subscribe, and leave a review to help us out. If you have a paper you have written or a small business to plug, let us know. Today we are going to discuss the big lie, the delusion that Trump won the 2020 election. Today, we're going to discuss the big lie that Trump's hands are bigger than his... The lie that he just has normal adult-sized hands? <laughs> I once saw somebody on Reddit a while ago that was comparing Trump to Schwarzenegger, and he's like, oh yeah, he just he hates Schwarzenegger because Schwarzenegger is actually everything that Trump claims to be. Like, successful businessman, actually popular, and has big hands. <laughs> <laughs> has big hands! <laughs> so good. <laughs> Well, we finally gotten a request from one of our Patreon supporters about a topic to firmly do, and we get it moments before we're going to start recording. Oh, that's very unfortunate timing, actually. So we got this interesting infographic that actually has sources that shows uh, about media consolidation. So we will have an episode coming up on that, but we haven't done any research yet. Yeah. We figured since it's been about a year, we should discuss the big lie and everything going on around January 6th uh, last year. Yeah, January 6th, 2021. I wanted to say this year, but yeah, this year Kazakhstan decided to throw that party. Fun. Have you been following that at all? No, not really. Not closely anyway. Me neither, but I guess a bunch of Russian troops just pulled out of Kazakhstan. So that, that says interesting things about the way they ran their party. Did they move them to Ukraine? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't know, but probably if I were playing Risk, that's what I would do. Yeah, well, yeah. Ukraine is key to defending from a European incursion and deprive somebody of the 15 points Europe gives you. <laughs> well, Russian troop movements in Ukraine has also been in the news lately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They keep putting troops right on the border and... Yeah. yeah. It looks like there's going to be blood. I hope not, but... Yeah, it's definitely escalating in that direction. Yeah. So we didn't have any other corrections. Oh, fun. No factual corrections, anyway. I checked Twitter and our email and our Reddit and all that, so we've been doing pretty good on the factual accuracy. And if you have corrections, there's a bunch of ways you can reach out to us. You can reach out to us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash disevidentia, but we also have a... Uh, we have a subreddit, r slash disevidentia. You can tweet at us, at disevidentia. We have a Discord. You can find a link to that in the show notes. We also have a YouTube, and you can find a link to that in the show notes. We have an email, contact at disevidentia.com. And finally, we have links to all this stuff up at disevidentia.com itself. But we're not on Facebook, because fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, God. If we ever run out of material, we will sign up for Facebook. What? No... Well, just to browse. I mean, it's so full of it, man. <laughs> yeah, all the big things on Facebook that's worth talking about here on the podcast, we can hear about Facebook talking about it from other sources. We don't need to immerse ourselves in the cesspit. And <laughs> like we'll ever run out of material. Uh, yeah, okay. I will endeavor. Like a space shuttle. Wait, that one exploded. Yes. Okay, so explode. No! But they do it in all the porn.
there's been a bunch of COVID news, but I also wanted to discuss some opinion stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking more about Fauci's change for the how, how the 10-day quarantine ought to work. It makes a lot of sense to me. So I don't know if this is a hot take or if this is terrible, but once you're symptom-free, he's still recommending five days. Not when I say he, I mean the whole CDC. Of course, yeah. He's just the face of the CDC. <laughs> it's a good face at that, calling morons morons. I love it. Yep. Five days, still quarantining if you have no symptoms, and then keep wearing a mask. And since masks are primarily there to help you protect other people, what that functionally does is mean that people with no symptoms get an extra work week back. I mean, five whole days back, right? Sure. And when I say work week, I shouldn't be tying that to economics because it means going to the grocery store, running errands, picking up your kids at daycare or whatever. It's not just work stuff. We're not going to be turning away anybody with this advice. It's not like anybody's going to say quarantines are bullshit and give up on it. People who want to quarantine for 10 days are still going to, but we might pick up a few people who are marginal. So if there's some people who are on the fence about quarantining and they're like, oh, well, I can quarantine for half the time as long as I wear a mask the other half, we might get some people who quarantine for at least a little bit of the time. And that's something that even if people aren't quarantining the whole 10 days or even the whole five days, if people do it for even a few days, that can prevent potentially thousands of infections across the whole country. That seems like a good idea to me. And that's just purely my opinion. I don't have good sources or anything on this. I'm curious as to, because since a lot of this is reliant on self-evaluation of things like symptoms, I'm curious as to how many people are going to mess up in that evaluation. They're going to go out and... They're, they're going to be emboldened by this news and they're going to cause more infections anyway. I don't have hard numbers on most of that stuff. Of course, this is like you're putting your opinion out there. I'm putting my opinion out there. It still seems like it could be a wash. And this entire premise is ultimately not where we should be in the first place. We yeah. should be in a better place making better decisions than choosing between one pile of shit and another. We should also have universal health care. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you on the we shouldn't be choosing between two piles of shit. I guess the people who are more likely to I was about to make make a logical fallacy I was about to say that the group who's more likely to to be wrong was also the group more likely to ignore it but anybody can be wrong that just happens all across the board so I don't know maybe it would be a wash but I feel like the people who are making good faith errors will be vastly outnumbered by the people who would have operated in bad faith but might try to operate in good faith if good faith requires less effort no numbers just feelings yeah oh okay one of the people in our Discord put up a, a few sort or they wrote some papers and they put up a, a few sources about school walkouts in a bunch of places. So I decided to gather some of those because it shows how younger people today are being more active and vocal. And I really like that. Oh, okay, so I hadn't looked too closely at these. So the first thing I was going to ask is, is the staff or the students walking out? Sounds like you're saying students. In every place, students walked out. In a few places, the staff walked out. As well? Yeah. Okay. In Boston, I don't remember the amount of students, but some 40% of the staff of the whole Boston education system also walked out with the students. Wow. Yeah. And 40% is of teachers and faculty and just a huge amount of the students. I don't have good numbers for that one, but this happened the week after Boston had 33,000 cases and 50,000 the week before. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah, lots of cases. And we'll have sources for both of those. There's the Boston Globe. And cbslocal.com are our two sources there. But uh, just some other schools that had this. Uh, Denver had a school walkout. We have abcnews.go.com. But the students were really upset that there wasn't a mask mandate. And most other places are mandating masks and even handing them out. In Boston, they're giving the masks out for free. That's good. But I guess the wildfires in Denver burned up all the masks. So fuck them. (laughs) So is that too tasteless? (laughs) No. We'll run it by some of our people who actually uh, live in Denver, see what they think. (laughs) 
Okay. New York school had a walkout. The teachers approved, but didn't walk out with them. So to go to your question. And the last place I picked was Chicago. But they also used the, uh, the opportunity to protest about police funding and police violence because they've been raising their police budgets like so many places have been. But they don't have any emergency mental health service like most places in the U.S., and the students were protesting that because if you're going to have a nervous breakdown because the country and your city are going to shit, why isn't there someone to call for help with that? But there's plenty of people to call for help if you, I don't know, want to get shot. Yep. I was going to say, <laughs> have somebody who has no idea what they're looking at to end up teasing you. <sighs> yeah, America. Okay. It's fucking terrible. A few other sources. Still going over just basic numbers. Try to at least touch on those every episode. Yep. Uh, vaccinations are still getting better. We're up to 76% in the U.S. are fully vaccinated. That's nice. That's a pretty good number, yeah. So even though the Boston school system had a ton of uh, cases, Massachusetts is still leading the way in vaccination. 93% of Massachusetts is fully vaccinated. We are starting to get to the point in the pandemic where asking the question of how what percentage of people are boosted is also somewhat relevant. I don't have good numbers on that one yet. Yeah, unfortunately. I haven't seen any publications with solid numbers on that. Why don't we dig deeper for the next episode? Yeah. So to name and shame, Wyoming, Alabama, Mississippi, and Idaho are all racing for the bottom with between 48 and 50% being vaccinated there. Hey, Nebraska's ahead. Uh, it's something. I think we were at 60-something percent. We were thoroughly in the middle of the pack. I think we were 27th when I last looked. Yeah, we're we're not doing bad. And our immediate area in Nebraska in particular is actually doing pretty good. You mean the one city in Nebraska where people give a shit about each other? Yes. I could phrase that better. The one city in Nebraska, and it only seems that people give a shit about each other in cities. But I guess Lincoln, Nebraska exists. That's really more of a hamlet. A Thorpe. <laughs> it's more than a hamlet. A town? Uh, a county seat. Maybe. <laughs> it, I don't know. I, like it, it does bother me a little bit to imply that more rural people don't care about one another. and But statistically... Well, Politically, I would say they don't oh. really care about one another. But okay, that's fair. Outside of politics, there is actually a really strong notion in a lot of places in America. If you live in a rural area and you see your neighbor is like they, their car is broken down on the side of the road, for example. Uh, and I actually, when I was driving between Salt Lake and Omaha, we had to divert because IAED was closed. We had to take some really weird uh, country roads through Colorado and we did make a pit stop and every single car stopped to ask if we were okay. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And you're right. I shouldn't just say these people don't care. I think most people genuinely do care about other people. But there's so much misinformation that people yeah. think that like masks are taking away our freedom and that's more harmful than the virus and logical contortions that so many of us shortcut to saying they don't care because yeah. the end result isn't any different than them not caring but that's really there are they're they're people they're real people and they yeah. usually care it's usually political stuff and i mean if, from my own opinion i don't know this but my own opinion i think the big reason why rural people care less about the political stuff is because they have fewer people to engage in discourse about the political stuff with all right so i agree with your logic getting there but i disagree with your premise that they don't care about the political stuff i think they really do care about the political stuff uh, but having fewer people to discuss it with means they often get just a soundbite version of it and conservative talking points way easier to convey in soundbites. I'm piggybacking the, the con I'm not saying they don't care about politics. Okay, okay. I'm piggybacking on the previous context yes. where we were saying they don't care about other people on the political stuff. Gotcha. That's what I'm referencing. 
Okay, I think we're both on the same page here. We just, both of us chose words imperfectly. Sure. Blah. We left off on vaccination rates before running down that yes. rabbit hole. Worldwide vaccination rates seem to be improving pretty rapidly. 4.1 billion people are vaccinated, so that's about half of the planet. That's nice. Yeah, it's good. One other point that's directly related to disevidentia, I've been seeing people making arguments on social media actually citing sources, because lots of people are now doing things like demanding that we cite sources, so that's good. It's a step in the right direction, but I feel like there's a caveat. <laughs> so a lot of people aren't investigating the sources appropriately and they're just saying, oh, the New York Times is always a good source. I'll just trust what this person says. And we'll put this very specific link to the New York Times in there. And that's there's a specific link to an article. And the whole headline of the article is the CDC concedes that cloth masks do not protect against the virus as effectively as other masks. So when you put that into Twitter or LinkedIn, or Discord, or even just see the Google search result page. Sometimes it shortens it to the CDC concedes that cloth masks do not protect or do not protect against the virus. And that whole second half of the sentence makes a world of difference. Yeah. Because when you read it, they definitely help, but they're not as good as N95 masks or full face respirators or something. And we've known that for months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have. That's not news. But people are making these claims by creating this air of truthiness. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're, they're taking facts and they're contorting the context for it I to think, create a different conclusion. I think I'll see if I can have our graphics guy uh, snip one of these screenshots and put it in the video for the, the YouTube watchers because it looks really credible when somebody says cloth masks don't help and then they link and then it shows a picture of like somebody wearing a mask or it shows, you know, the New York Times webpage and then shows the New York Times saying the CDC concedes cloth masks don't protect. It's like, fuck, arguing against the soundbite is so hard. Yeah, it also adds to the the truthiness. It's not really truthiness, but like the believability of it. Now they're it seems they're saying it a whole lot more that Omicron is out and they're like, oh, all these mutations. And so people will just passively believe, oh, I guess it mutated into something that cloth masks don't protect you against. Ugh. And, and that, that can't really be a thing, because the virus is still going to travel in droplets, unless you get a virus that doesn't do that, which yeah. I guess you could evolve, but... For people that know the mechanism, how it's transmitted, that is what people are going to be led to believe. But then, if that is the case, then where's all this news talking about this extra mutation? Like, I did have somebody try to tell me that cloth masks are now useless against Omicron, and I'm like, hold on. If that were true, then the virus is no longer being transmitted on droplets... Where is that news? I haven't seen any of that. Nobody's talked about any of the mechanisms. They've just made this high-level blanket statement, and I have to ask questions because that's, well, that's part of how you sniff out bullshit, if I'm being blunt. <laughs> Sniffing out bullshit is important for everyone to do, and unfortunately, we all have to be vigilant all the time, which means it's uh, going to be error-prone. Yeah. All right, so on to Trump. Fine. You know, know what? This is better than talking about people dying right now. No? Talking about pending demise is better? Well, I mean... There's worse? Ugh. I guess it depends. I mean, because, yeah, on one hand, a bunch of people dying now is really bad right now, but there's a lot of individual things that you can do to mitigate it. Whereas the, the whole big lie is a threat to the democracy and potentially the fall of America into fascism. Oh, and... come on. We're barely a democracy anyway. I... I mean, you're not wrong, but like, we're not full-blown fascist. You know, I thought living in a pornocracy would be more fun. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Ow, my face. Hey, Squeaky, are you okay? You don't normally walk into walls that hard. Not really. I'm blind. 
Uh, and I couldn't get a new gaming computer. We will circle back to the gaming computer. Why are you blind? Well, it has to do with a gaming computer. See this? This is a receipt for a 55-gallon drum of lube. Oh, uh, not that. This. A coupon for a free top-of-the-line gaming computer from the Trump Corporation? Well, it started when I booked a trip to Atlantic City on GoTrump.com, the luxury travel search engine. It says to be redeemed at any Trump casino, so that follows, except that shut down in 2006. And I booked a trip, but when I got out of the plane, I was in Reno. Who did you fly with? They took you west. Atlantic City is east from here. Uh, Trump Airlines. In Reno, I took an Uber to Vegas, and I read a whole Trump magazine on the trip. Because Trump had a casino in Vegas? And I ate at the Trump Steakhouse there. Did you go blind from the health code violations? Uh, no. I could still see, but the roaches weren't very tasty, and I still needed cash, so I tried classes at Trump University. I suppose they would take pretty much anyone. But how is that supposed to make you money? Trump claimed it would make me rich. When that didn't work, I took out a second mortgage with Trump Mortgage. Why are these mortgage papers written in crayon? Like, not just the parts you wrote, literally the whole thing. Well, anyway, I had cash, so I tried to fly back to Omaha, but Trump Airlines was defunct. Okay, but why are you blind? So I had a few days to wait for a real airline, and in the meantime, I met with a board game club and played Trump the game. So you realized what your life had come to and drank Trump vodka causing you to go blind? Yeah, exactly. Well, that isn't supposed to happen. Did they put antifreeze in it? Uh, maybe. It was sweet. But I should have just gone with ABK Customs. Yeah, with code EVIDENCE, you or anyone could save 10% on a custom gaming computer. Yeah, so much easier to go to abkkustomz.com than accidentally go to Vegas and go blind to drinking Trump vodka. Yes. Most of you should know what the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol is. I hope most of you know what this is. If you do not, I strongly recommend you pause and look it up <laughs> real quick. It's just for those of you who refuse to look it up. It's when a bunch of Trump supporters were egged on by the president and attacked the Capitol, tried to hang Mike Pence and do other yeah. not obviously intelligent things. The stated goal was to, quote, stop the steal because they felt that they could prevent the certifying of the election results and thus keep Trump in power because they thought that the whole election was corrupt. And there's reasons for that. It is not clean and it is convoluted. Yeah. So there was a riot and I am deliberately using the word riot because the Capitol Police chief labeled it a riot as it was happening. It didn't feel like a riot. I don't know. They labeled it one. Yeah, okay. It just felt it felt like a logically distinct insurrection. <laughs> right? Like like I've seen riots, right? Riots look fun to participate in. So okay. You can <laughs> these two are not mutually exclusive. As it was happening, it was labeled a riot, and then later people started pinning the term insurrection on it. And it, insurrection is the correct term, as well as and, sedition and, and in different parts. Something can be a riot and an insurrection, right? I just feel like there wasn't enough, enough loud noises, random gunfire, and fire for it to be a riot. I feel like we need... Ah, you need a more cohesive grievance to have a riot, because you need people to be actually angry, not artificially angry and confused, to have a riot. <laughs> These people were just too dumb to be rioting. <laughs> Not sure I agree, but uh, okay. that's that's okay. a stance. That's definitely a stance. I, I'm shitposting, man. I'm just <laughs> using my mouth to do it. Anyway. 
Okay, anyway. Anyway, so okay, we'll circle back on a lot of the more nuanced details regarding the riot slash insurrection slash sedition. But in response to this, a few things were attempted to try to answer questions about how this happened and who should be punished and to what extent. So initially, a bicameral commission was attempted to be formed. When you say bicameral, you mean Republicans and Democrats? Yeah. Or do you mean between the two houses, Congress and Senate? Uh, Actually, the source I read didn't really elaborate beyond that. I think it was between the two houses. Okay. Yeah, bicameral is the right word for two houses. Okay. <laughs> okay. So after the January 6th attack, it was a bicameral commission was attempted to be formed in order to answer questions about how it happened and who should be punished and to what extent. This commission was something that had to be voted on in the Senate, and it was filibustered in the Senate, completely blocked. Some time went by, people still wanted to form something to try to get answers about what happened with the insurrection, and eventually, on July 7th, 2021, a select committee was formed in response. And that was just by the House? Yes, just the House. So it didn't involve the House and the Senate, so it became a unicameral investigation, not a bicameral. Yes. Okay, cool. The committee was composed of seven Democrats, two Republicans. The two Republicans that are on it are the only two Republicans in the House that voted in favor of it. Liz Cheney and someone else? Uh, Adam Kissinger, I think. Cool. Yep. We'll fact check that in post. (laughs) And since the formation, or more specifically, the source that I have talks about what has happened all the way up to the end of 2021, and you're going to now be hearing about this at the end of January 2022, so there's going to be more information than what I'm saying. But by the end of 2021, since its formation, they had already interviewed over 300 people and collected over 35,000 documents pertaining to the January 6th attack. Okay, so... You mentioned the commission had some results. What kinds of results we're seeing so far and what is likely to be the best case for for democracy and the worst case for democracy? And in this case, I don't mean the Democratic Party. I mean American citizens' continued right to choose our leaders. When I say democracy, that's what I mean. So the worst case is that nothing happens, like especially if we find damning things and then nothing happens. That further erodes the trust and justice in the country for so, a lot of people. With Trump lying and saying things like, uh, the election was definitely faked, I think that needs to be punished because that's obviously untrue and he started... Yeah, yeah, that is literally, especially in how it was executed on January 6th, that is literally sedition. Yeah, so if sedition goes unpunished, it emboldens people to try attacking the country again and eventually somebody will succeed. So we want to prevent these attacks as early and as vigorously as possible without infringing on rights. Yeah. Yeah, that would be disastrous if the commission found, if the commission couldn't do something to punish the problems we already know about and doesn't uncover any other problems or uncovers problems only to not be able to punish them. Okay, but the best case, what's the best case for us? Uh, The best case would be we get a clearer picture about what happened, particularly the motivations of the people. Because like where people were and what orders were given, that's something we knew day of. But understanding the motivations and preparations, that's going to be where all the damning information is. Okay, so who Who's on this committee? Why should we trust them? Yeah, the, the the full committee staff is 40 people, but the... Oh, why don't you tell me who's on the committee, then start okay. just going off on a diatribe so the, there. The representatives on the committee are Benny Thompson from Mississippi, Zoe Lofgren from California, Adam Schiff from California, Pete Agular, I probably butchered that, I apologize, from California, Stephanie Murphy from Florida, Jamie Raskin from Maryland, Elaine Loria from Virginia, 
I might have mispronounced that one as well. Those are all the Democrats. The two Republicans are Liz Cheney from Wyoming and Adam Kissinger from Illinois. So that seems to be a pretty big spread from across the country, and that's probably intentionally chosen that way. And they've tried to get some Republicans so they can claim it's bipartisan. Again, it's the only two Republicans that voted in favor. I don't know much about Adam Kissinger, but Liz Cheney is someone who has been getting into news headlines for being a bit divisive in the Republican space. Well, she's not literally sucking Trump's dick, so of course she's not uh, zealous enough. Yeah, she's not towing the the party line. So here we are. You have some other stuff in your notes about the committee staff. So I presume it's not just these seven Congress people, but they've got some... Those are the people that are heading up the charge and are in charge of the committee. But of course, they need to have a large support staff in order to go through all the processes for performing this investigation. They have about 40 people on their staff. It's divided into five teams. They have a team for focusing on the preparation and response by federal and local law enforcement. They have a team for examining the funding for the demonstrations. And I believe that's beyond the scope of just January 6th. Just anything that's like, oh, we're contesting the election results. We're going to do a demonstration. They look at the funding relating to that. Third team is investigating online misinformation and extremist activity related to the big lie. Oh, we should give them some links. (laughs) The fourth team is focusing on the pressure campaigns in D.C. and state capitals where people just show up and try to apply, like show up as a a mob and, well, okay, mob is probably the wrong word, but they apply pressure to legislators. But yeah, they just do demonstrations to apply pressure to get what they want. But they do so without any kind of violence. They do it completely legally, but still, they're actively trying to exert pressure. They're they're attempting to apply political pressure outside of the political mechanisms to attempt to legalize something that would normally be illegal. Yeah. And the pressure campaigns could be anything from, like, Trump calling and asking him to find 11,000 more votes all the way up to, we've assembled a mob outside, and if you don't rule in court this way, you're going to see what that mob can do, right? Yeah. Okay. The fifth and final team is focusing on investigating specifically the organizers of the demonstrations that happened on January 6th. Okay. So they've uncovered a lot of things, but they haven't really talked about, especially in detail, a whole lot of them. The investigation is still ongoing, and they don't really have any enforcement power themselves. If they find something damning, that usually gets forwarded to the Justice Department, and then the Justice Department decides what it wants to do with them. So the best they can do is expose a whole bunch of stuff and then hope that the Justice Department does the right thing and punishes people, even though we've had a long history of our Justice Department letting political leaders get away with shit, like saying, we can't go after Nixon it would be bad for the country. We need to heal. And then sane people are like, how the fuck can we heal without justice? So the Justice Department in this case, they could probably be doing more, maybe, but they're definitely doing more than nothing. They're doing an okay amount. Yeah, I'm not saying the Justice Department is doing nothing. What I am saying is we don't know how much and we won't know until it might be too late for us to do something to protest it. Yeah, pretty much. in my opinion, it's unlikely they're going to go after the big problems, the leaders of these things. Political leaders seem to get away with this. I'm of the opinion that everyone who voted to overturn the election, because they were, uh, the reason Jan 6 was at issue here was the electoral votes. I think that everyone who voted to get rid of the election and just reinstate Trump, all those people need to see a day in court for sedition charges, is my opinion. And that's just me. I'm not citing anything that's my personal opinion, and I'm not calling for violence. Don't do that. But yeah, if the Justice Department does less than that, I won't be happy. Ugh, Prepare sorry. to not be happy. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. But I mean, voting to voting to get rid of 
all of the people's votes. That's not how you run a country that nominally the citizens should choose their leaders. It's the leaders saying we're going to ignore the citizens. That should be a crime, in my opinion. And it's not right now. It's not. So we won't see that. The biggest collection of information that the committee has collected so far was from Mark Meadows, who is the former chief of staff for Trump. There was a lot of communication that was going back and forth between a bunch of people in the Trump administration and Mark Meadows, more than other people, it seems, was at the center of that communication. And you'd think that Trump would be at the center of the communication, but a whole lot of people were like, what can we do to get Trump to tell people to stand down? A lot of that communication went through Mark Meadows. So Mark Meadows was the voice of reason? No. Okay. He was just positioned. Okay. So people were yelling at Mark Meadows to try to get Trump to calm down, but Trump was like, no, I definitely want to stay in power no matter what. And then eventually when it looked like things were getting so bad that he couldn't avoid it. We don't have all of those records. Uh, Well, okay. At the time of this recording, very, very recently, the committee did get the White House records on the January 6th insurrection, which is more closely related to Trump. And we got the records from Mark Meadows purely through his cooperation with the committee. So, yeah. If Mark Meadows turned things over, then either he has a deal or he thinks what he did isn't criminal. Okay. Although, since him initially handing over all the documents that he did, he has, from what I was able to read, stopped cooperating with the committee. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bannon is another person that got into news headlines because of <laughs> contempt. Now that And that was just him refusing to respond to subpoenas that were legally and lawfully issued, right? Uh, yes. Uh, Jeffrey Clark is another person that was held in criminal contempt for refusing to answer questions from the committee. Uh, so people are getting in trouble for not cooperating with this committee. A few big names. But yeah, most of the information that has been released so far has come from the early cooperation of Mark Meadows. So a few things that stood out from the source that I found as things that the committee has uncovered. The Trump's outside legal team. I'm not sure exactly how outside what that means in this context. I think it means not officially working for the government, but Trump's personal legal team. That makes sense. But yeah, the the source didn't quite clarify. So I just want to make that clear. But Trump's outside legal team camped out in the Willard Hotel, which is one block away from the White House in the weeks and days leading up to the January 6th attack. Why is unclear. Jeffrey Clark and others, and Jeffrey Clark is the person I mentioned that who is currently in criminal contempt for refusing to answer questions to the committee. Uh, we have evidence of Jeffrey Clark suggesting the use of emergency presidential powers in order to overturn the election, including, but not limited to, seizing voting machines, deploying the National Guard, and utilizing the Insurrection Act. So he's pretty high up there. He might be another one of those political leaders that isn't going to see justice because... Technically, recommending that isn't illegal, but that's clearly seditious. That's treason suggesting the president abuse power to maintain power. Even if that isn't against the law, that is a crime against democracy. That is another attempt to keep people from choosing our own representation in government. Yes. (sighs) Like I said, just recently, there was a legal battle over the overturning of... Not over the the turning over of the the documents and that went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Yep, went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decided that Trump can't block it in an eight to one vote. And Clarence Thomas, the only person who voted against it, his wife is also a, a pro-Trump zealot. Ah, oh, goodness, I should cite the opening arguments podcast on that one, shouldn't I? Yeah, probably. It's a really good listen. Hearing how his wife is way off the deep end and like working for. I'll link. I'll link to their podcast. It's it's not there for us and. Clearly, somebody who's married to someone doesn't make it their choices, but 
he's too tied up in this to, to be trusted. He should have recused himself and didn't. But they talk about that in that episode, too. There are so many judges who are benefiting personally from making decisions that aren't recusing themselves from it. And Clarence Thomas is one of those that just doesn't ever recuse himself, even if he holds stock directly in the thing he's ruling on. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just more of how we don't live in a real functioning government. We have Supreme Court members who multiple times have refused to sit out of things they have a personal financial interest in. And here he has a personal political interest. W what? W what? Yeah. There should be some separate committee that can just invalidate a vote in the Supreme Court by saying you're involved. We need more checks and balances because the ones we have clearly don't work right or aren't good enough or something. I feel like they've been deliberately eroded over time. But yeah. Oh, yeah. People trying to maintain power. People mm -hmm. conserving their power. Mm -hmm. Their word for this? Corrupt. I was going to say conservative, but that's a good word, too. Ah, OK. I'm also not going to say Democrats can't be corrupt. It's yeah. just... It seems in recent years to be lining up on one side. Much more so than the other, yes. It's very hard to claim that a poor bartender is wildly corrupt who just recently got into Congress when you have people making millions of dollars on writing laws or presiding over court cases for company or for things they own stock in. <sighs> kind of like when news broke that Manchin is collecting half a million dollars in dividends every year from coal companies and he's been voting down all the uh, climate change bills. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. Shit like that is exactly why I say we don't live in a functioning democracy. Can you post a source for that? <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, you can do it after the episode. But yeah, that, that happened. We know what happened. We know McConnell does stuff like this all the time. It's why he has so much fucking money. He gets to write laws and he gets to buy stock based on laws he's about to pass or not pass. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. The people who are leading us are also rigging economic games. So that way, I mean, in ways the rest of us couldn't ever hope to, to benefit or profit from. It's ridiculous. And on this note, I do want to say, fuck you, Nancy Pelosi, for trying to assert that lawmakers should be able to trade stocks. Yeah. Fuck you, Nancy Pelosi. Maybe. I can, you know, I can actually imagine a system where lawmakers could trade stock, but right now we have such a massive problem with it. It's like, I'm supporting Nancy Pelosi because she's the lesser of two evils. I really want somebody else to be the Speaker of the House. We went on a long digression there. So the White House records on the January 6th insurrection are now in the hands of the committee, but it has not been long enough for us to know what we get from those records. Like We just have to wait and see. Oh, yeah, it was a ton of documents. If there's only 35 doc 35,000 documents they've gone over so far, they probably doubled that with this. Yeah, probably. Our sources there, Stripes.com, uh, Wikipedia, and The Independent. And I'll make sure to link... The Opening Arguments podcast, and you've got Business Insider and CNBC for Joe Manchin's obvious corruption. So you've got a few different sources going over what this commission is, what's going on, but we haven't really discussed what they're investigating. And you go and get it on the first try. I do what I can. We should probably discuss maybe some, uh, some timelines of leading up to the event, what happened the day of, and what's happened since. Yeah. I'd like to do a little bit of, of discussion on the time leading up to January 6th, mm -hmm. and then about the time after, because the day itself deserves its own timeline, right? Yes. It, oh, well, I mean, it is the day of the, the big insurrection. Yes, there's a lot of little things going on. We probably should have done this earlier before we talked about the committee, but we don't do anything in the correct order here, so. Yeah, we're keeping things high level, and now we're filling in detail like we said we would. Okay, sure. So the big lie started before Trump was even president. He started off 
saying that the elections were rigged or that uh, votes would be dropped or if he lost, he still would have won the popular vote. Just permutations yeah. of these lies. We've all seen these videos. And he kept that up between January 6th and up to November 3rd. And I have a timeline from New York Magazine. They have a, a great summary of this stuff. I read it, verified it, looked at their their sources. Seems on the level. They are quite partisan, though. Uh, that said, I'm not putting anything in here that I didn't know about. Just it's nice to have a good source that connects all these things. Okay. Coming up on the midterms in 2018, Trump really hammered home how he thought the next election would be rigged. And he started getting more political support because Republicans saw that this would in general be a good tactic or strategy for them. There are various ways to make it helpful. It's like the Republicans have been aiming for clamping down on voting rights because it helps them. I mean, it's why we had laws up until very recently. What are the name? There was a law. There was a group of laws after the Civil War that restricted how southern states could change their voting. Oh. And we got rid of that in the middle or late 20th century. It was the Reconstruction Amendment. So post-Civil War... We put restrictions in place that would keep southern states from changing laws in a racist way to keep people from voting. That went away middle or late 20th century. And since those rules went away, we've been seeing southern states doing exactly that, clamping down on how people can vote and making it harder in ways that are statistically racist, but not obviously racist. Things like polling places going away. Yeah. It, yeah. Little things like that. Or voter ID. The reason voter ID is such a contentious issue is because if people are really poor or they're leery of government tracking, which the people most likely to be in either of those situations are people of ethnic minorities. And if you have to pay a registration fee, then it can and has been argued that that's a voting tax and yeah. you can't tax what's a right. You can get rid of most of these complaints if, if the Republicans really wanted this to be about election security, they could say, we need a, a photo ID to vote, but also the state will give away free photo IDs. Those could be paired together, but Republicans are generally against that when the idea is brought up. So that really shows the motivation there. Yep. So this history of Republicans being against fair voting can show how you can segue that into lying about the elections, and they were able to get Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy, two people from the House, uh, the House of Representatives, on board with this lying about the popular vote for the midterms. And they also started putting forward lies about the security of mail-in voting. Because again, if you can make it harder for people to vote, it's more likely only conservatives will vote for a variety of reasons. Sorry, I'm trying to articulate this. Why mail-in voting is good for minorities. Mm -hmm. Because if... <laughs> You even joked about it before we started recording, how some Trump supporters would go and try to be poll watchers. Yeah. And if these ad hoc poll watchers that weren't registered poll watchers show up and they just do things like intimidate people who are there to vote. That's what they're, the people that I was referring to, that is explicitly what their goal is. Oh, yeah. If they succeed, then there's less well, it, votes against them. It's real easy for racist assholes to go stand out in front of a polling place and try to scare away black people. Yeah. Right? So mail-in voting is good for minorities voting. And that's another reason Republicans oppose this. So, of course, they're going to jump on board with any plan that lies about the elections aren't working correctly. And all of these things are abstracted just enough from race or just enough from the reality of the situation that it's hard to argue. They can bundle it up into a little soundbite of Trump won, votes are being thrown away, elections are insecure, pick your soundbite, then they run with it. And that was everything leading up to the election. Then there was a different phase, a different set of things started happening but between November 4th and January 5th. Because of course, Jan 6th, a new thing happened. But after the election happened, so after November 4th, there were still votes coming in at some places. And depending on where they were, they 
when I say they, the, the different Republican officials and Trump was calling for different things to happen based on what would let him win. Yeah. One of the first things Trump did after the election, even though the numbers didn't show it or support it, was he declared himself victorious. He announced that he'd won when a normal person who was interested in the truth would have uh, given their resignation speech. Resignation, right word? Uh... Would have given their concession speech. Would have would have acknowledged a loss. Concession, withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, he claimed fraud. And he started with a huge pile of lawsuits. They were all pretty much bullshit. One of them actually won, but of 62, and most of those being thrown out as frivolent. Frivolous? I combined the word frivolent, frivolous and fraudulent. Frivolent. That is a great word to describe these lawsuits. But of the 62, about half were just plainly fraud and most of the rest were frivolous. Uh, there were claims ranging from major voting systems manufacturers uh, faking votes. That one, from what I recall, was largely against Dominion systems. Oh, yeah. And Dominion is is uh, winning lawsuits and suing back, and they're going to fuck Trump up. But these lawsuits ha- had a huge range of things. And there was one that they actually won, and it was about nothing important because most of those votes were already counted and dealt with. But it was about people being able to, to fix ballots that had technical issues, like... They X'd the box instead of filling in the box or whatever. So Trump won one of 62. And this was the time where everyone was saying the votes are being thrown out. Trump should have won. But Trump had many opportunities to present evidence and never did in any of the lawsuits that any of this was faked. And this is where a lot of people were making disevidential claims saying, well, Trump never got to present his evidence. Well, most of these cases were thrown out because there was no evidence. And there was repeated appeals. It even got to the point where the Supreme Court looked at it and they were like, there's no case here. Twice, actually. Twice the Supreme Court looked at one of these lawsuits and had to to, to say no. And at the same time, when all these lawsuits were being put forward, there was also what you called the pressure campaign. Trump was putting pressure on different states to get different results. Uh, and like the Georgia call, where he made the call to the person who could... Who, who was administering the election and demanded an extra 11,780 votes. And yeah, that right there, that's a crime. Trying to go and go around the election system and demand a specific result. And even if you think that Trump was operating in good faith, that he thought that he'd won, Trump has been on the record saying that he thinks a different number of uh, votes was missing. He thought that there was more like 100,000 votes. Well, if you're gonna... If you're going to lie and get even a smaller amount of votes, that's still a crime. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is a crime, and it's really fucked up and wrong. That we're not charging him criminally for that specifically is problematic in my mind. It means that we don't live in a country where the laws apply to all of us. Okay, and then finally, during this phase, before January 5th, Trump also tried to force the Justice Department to lie about the election. He wanted the Justice Department to come out and declare the election corrupt, even though there's no process for this, there was no investigation by the Justice Department into it, and that made sense. There shouldn't be an investigation into a thing that all the states have their own cover, or they have their own ways to check and investigate and analyze, and their own audits. And many states did run audits, real audits, done by people who are, well, trained auditors, certified to be auditors, and know how elections work, and nobody found malfeasance. Sure, there were problems. Every election has problems. Anytime you do something that has millions of parts, millions of pallets, for example, you find issues. But the issues are always, oh, this machine miscounted by one. Look, here's where there's a smudge or something. And they're off by a tenth of a percent one way or the other. Not enough to fuck up the election. And we have systems in place that caught and accounted for these issues already, which preps us for the next phase. There's the, the events of January 6th itself and the events since. 
Yep. Do we want to do a timeline of Jan 6 here, or should we do... Uh, let me just discuss some of what's happened since on the Trump side. Sure. Okay. So after Jan 6, to try to dig for more credibility for his arguments, we've had a series of state audits, things like the Arizona audit. They contracted a non-certified auditor, and it looked like they were being paid to generate the result they wanted. Now, in the end, this result actually didn't come out. I think that's... This is my opinion. This isn't it's not a good source for this. I think these people running Cyber Ninjas was the name of the company mm -hmm. chose to not side with Trump because they saw there was no way to reverse the election at this point. Biden was clearly going to be president. And if they sided with Trump, it would look a lot like treason and they'd be in the same legal hot water Trump is. But if they came out and put, put out something that looked like a real audit, well, all of a sudden it's not a crime anymore. And it kind of damns Trump's side that his own audit found more votes for Biden than were already there. The victor writes history comes to mind. Yeah. If Trump was in a position to have a real claim at this and could seize control, then the Cyber Ninjas audit would be one more piece of evidence that would have cemented it for him. But instead, either they didn't get paid enough or they saw the writing on the wall or they feared the justice system and they decided to go with what looked to be the truth. Because again, real auditing companies already audited this stuff. And the cyber ninjas kind of just shut up and put out things that lined up with what all the other auditors and what all the other facts said. And that fell apart. But it was one step that was initiated by Republicans that, from every outside appearance, looked to be going for a specific answer. And that was put Trump back in power. Whew. Okay. I just went over a timeline of things on a macro scale. What happened in the months around the event. Mm -hmm. I understand you've done a bunch of reading on what happened the day of. What happened Jan 6? <laughs> How long do you have? <laughs> Give me just a second. I have a long time. I have a fresh can. Let's go. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I pulled out three different sources, and they th there's differences between each of them. The most comprehensive that I was able to find was, go figure, the Wikipedia article that is just titled Timeline of the 2021 United States Capitol Attack. Brilliant. It's awesome title for an article. And that one has events spanning from September 29th, 2020, all the way to April 19th, 2021. The other two are a bit more about January 6th, specifically. Uh, one of them details events from 12 p.m. on the 6th, all the way to 3.42 a.m. on the 7th. And 3.42 a.m. is when Pence finally certified the results and everything that the protesters were trying to stop was finalized. The other one starts from 7.39 p.m. on January 5th and goes only until, curiously, uh, 6.01 p.m. on the 6th. So, yeah, the different bits of information, different times. Okay. This would take longer than I think we'd want to dedicate time to. We probably want to put more of our time towards discussion, but high-level overview of things that have happened. Uh, so at noon on the 6th is when Trump got up to the podium and started speaking to the crowd. And he was saying things, we will never give up, we will never concede. He later gave up and conceded. Isn't that the same speech where he said the word fight over 20 times? Uh, maybe. I have not, I didn't actually watch the video on the speech and I was not watching it live when this was happening. So oh, I just remember arguing with a bunch of people the day after and I just Googled up a transcript of his speech and go and control F for the word fight. Oh yeah, there, there's transcripts available. It would be trivial to verify that again. Okay, at 1 p.m., the initial wave of protesters got to the police barrier around the Capitol. 
Five minutes later, Nancy Pelosi bangs the gavel to call the joint session of Congress into order. At 1.30 p.m., the protesters begin to overwhelm the police, and they break into the Capitol building. I did Google up a transcript. Mm -hmm. He said fight between 20 and 24 times because uh, the word fight's also showing up the rest of the page. But yeah. Okay. But yeah. Sorry. Backing up what I was saying before. They overwhelmed the, the police and the police move back into the building, but the protesters are still outside the building at 1.30. Shortly after 2 p.m., protesters break through the like the windows and the door of the building so there's like an hour-long speech half an hour later after the hour-long speech they're breaking into the building yes wow that's not a long timeline how long does it take to walk from where the speech happened to the building i i don't know okay <laughs> 2 20 p.m the senate is called into recess the building goes into lockdown 2 24 p.m trump starts tweeting tweet specifically mike pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution what an inspiring leader not 2:38 p.m more tweets and he urged people to stay peaceful okay seems a little bit late a little bit uh shortly before 3 p.m rioters finally break into the senate chamber now right when people were breaking into the building that's when the oath keepers were doing their little formation to keep together and barge on in right that sounds right so we're already past that and we're already past the zip tie guy okay well this this is a uh, pretty much well, the pictures of the zip tie guy that were most circulated were pictures of him in the okay, the okay. chambers. So this is right around then. Okay. 3.11 p.m., Representative Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, tweeted a video saying that what's going on right now is something that happens in a banana republic, if you want to TLDR that video. And he urged the president to call this off and that the election is over. Uh, that clearly fell on deaf ears. 3.36 p.m. White House Press Secretary tweets that Trump has ordered the National Guard into the Capitol. Shortly before 4 p.m., Biden addresses the nation, and he, in it, he requests President Trump to tell people to stand down. 4.17 p.m., Trump tweets a video. Instead of going on TV and addressing the nation, he just tweets a video where he is talking to supporters inside the Capitol. What was the content of the video? Was he saying back down? Was he saying anything important? Or Quote, was it just I know your pain. I know you're hurt. He begins. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You've seen the way others are treated. I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace. Okay. And that was 4 something, four right? 11 or 4.17 p.m. Okay. Sorry. About two and a half or three hours after shit started. Okay. I believe I saw another source say it was exactly 187 minutes. That is less helpful for most people. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Shortly before 6 p.m., Police start to clear out the Capitol building, eventually secure the interior. 6 p.m., Mayor of Washington, D.C. places the city under a 12-hour curfew. 6.01 p.m., Trump tweets yet again. Is it more go home or is it more... More, more like you're fighting the good fight, but go home. Okay. 7 p.m., Facebook removes Trump's video and other posts from the day. In a statement, the company says, quote, We removed from Facebook and Instagram the recent video of President Trump speaking about the protests and a subsequent post about the election results. We made the decision that on balance, these posts contribute to, rather than diminish, the risk of ongoing violence. Ugh. When Facebook is your voice of reason, you done fucked up. Yeah, you fucked up pretty bad. Facebook only cares about the election insofar as the country remains stable. They don't want to operate under a fascist totalitarian dictator solely because they can be silenced. As long as there's something vaguely resembling a democracy, they can keep saying whatever the fuck they want. In so, addition to removing his post from the day, Facebook placed him on a 24-hour ban. That's not really a ban, but suspension, I guess. And yeah, I, yeah, I follow what you mean. 
Now, for some random asshole, that's not hard to happen. But for somebody who makes the platform a ton of money yeah. by having lots of content of theirs shared, that's severe. Okay. Two minutes later, roughly, Twitter, or I guess I should say more accurately around the same time, Twitter removed Trump's tweets from the day and also gives him a suspension, but Twitter does it for 12 hours instead of 24. Everything Twitter does is short, so that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, 7.54 p.m., the Republican National Committee condemns the day's violence. Uh, just after 8 p.m., Pence reopens the Senate and they resume. Uh, well, actually, they, don't, they, they start to re-congregate. Around 9 p.m., Pelosi actually brings the House back in session. This is another one of those joint session things where they're all together, right? Uh, or are they doing this? Yeah, event? it's like a joint that? session. Yeah. Okay. 9.53 p.m., Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, says... Count me out. Enough is enough. Graham says he hates to see his journey with Trump end this way. Subsequently, Graham has said repeatedly that Trump is essential to the Republican Party's future. Yikes. Graham was one of Trump's most loyal allies in Congress during Trump's presidency. Okay. Yeah, cool. Whatever. 11.32 p.m. House and Senate come back together to resume the joint session, and the vote that began some 10 hours earlier finally continues. And then 3.42 a.m. January 7th, Pence calls a majority of the Electoral College votes for Biden, finally certifying the results. So having all of the votes, all of the congressional and senatorial things in their show, how key the the actions of the government are here they started when there were people outside they just presumed it was going to be just another day there's always protesters protesting something about the government protesters in dc that's not an uncommon occurrence yeah exactly so they were just going to continue on they didn't expect anything violent to happen didn't expect much of anything to happen really this segues into the next section that we had some information for the eastman memo the time before uh january 5th 6th oh my god the Eastman Memo. Are you familiar with this? Uh, barely. Okay. This is a document written by a guy named Eastman who worked for Trump and was a member of the Federalist Society. So extreme right wing. He was a lawyer. And I'll put a link to the actual, to a PDF of the document so you can read it. It's hosted in several places. I've got a link to CNN hosting the PDF. They match between the different sites and they highlight a multi-part plan to take over the government with multiple redundancies in case somebody fails to do their job or there's different levels of opposition. And it's entirely full of shit. Of course. To start with, it's based on a bastardized and fucked up reading and understanding of how the 12th Amendment and the Electoral Count Act works. These are two laws that specify how the House and Senate are to count electoral votes. And using a quirk in the way one of these is is worded, it tries to set up a situation that would have allowed Mike Pence to jeopardize democracy. And unfortunately, laws being just words, if played the right way, could have could have led to Trump seizing control in some hypothetical scenarios. Now, even if he had done this, I don't see the country having gone this way without a fight. Probably would have been a lot of bloodshed if Pence had gone this way, but you'll see what I mean here in a moment. (sighs) One other thing on this take of the wording. In the memo, it also lied and claimed that a Harvard Law professor backed this, and because the memo was distributed as a PDF, it actually included a link to an article that said the exact opposite of what the memo says, that this couldn't happen. So they were lying all the way down and tried to dig for a little bit of credibility by doing that thing where you cite something that disagrees with you and hope people only read the headline. Mm -hmm. Shitty. Okay. Yeah. So the memo, it starts with claiming that seven states sent two slates of electors. 
Ah, we should back up a little bit. The Electoral College. Yes. Not everyone knows how this works. The system is brain dead simple and was built as a compromise a long time ago before we had fast, efficient ways to count votes. So we built a federated system where each state would vote, do something to decide how many electoral votes would be sent to, to, to the federal government to decide who the president and vice president would be. Each state can decide how they split this up however they choose. The majority of states, the winner takes all the electoral votes. Pretty simple. There's two states that don't do that, Nebraska and Maine. Nobody cares about them. And I live in Nebraska. Nobody <laughs> cares about them. Okay. That's fair, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think we have... Five, and Maine has four or five? Yeah, okay. Of a total of 538. Is that right? One for each congressman, one for each senator? Okay. It's based on population plus two. That way every state gets at least some representation. Tiny states don't get screwed. Wyoming has the plus two. California has a huge amount based on population. Not saying I agree with that compromise, but that was the idea in the beginning. So when Wyoming or California have their election, whoever gets 51% of the vote per their own rules, they send in a slate of electors that say, I'll vote this one way. Now, there being a system here that's federated means there needs to be some communication channel between each state and the federal government. There's actual people that are the electors that are sent, and they each cast a vote. Most states have laws that say that the people doing this need to cast their votes a certain way according to the state rules. Not all of them say this, and that's an issue for another time. They didn't try to attack it this way. They did try to attack the 2016 election this way, but there were faithless electors on both uh, the Trump and Hillary side, and that would have been very interesting. But this time, the idea was to get extra electors sent from multiple states and just try to change the electoral outcome. If they could get the wrong electors recognized, and one of the states was Arizona, they just tried to send electors that would vote for Trump instead of Biden. Well, if that happens and you get enough states to flip, then uh, yeah, though the election is won right there. You've managed to ignore several states. They, don't, they didn't need all, all seven. I think they only needed five of the states they picked that were sort of in contention, that they'd raise scandals with. The different states where they'd been yelling about the votes not adding up, like Georgia or Arizona, where they were lying a bunch. We mentioned that earlier. Well, if they couldn't win at this stage, when the counting started, Vice President Pence could, instead of going through the normal line and saying that he here's the states and we verified the electors, we'll count all the states except for these seven, and then we'll go to a vote. And at this stage, if Pence had backed out, if he'd recused himself because of a conflict of interest of not listening to his boss, the president, and not being able to do what the Constitution says per his understanding, if he'd recused himself, they had sympathetic congressmen ready to step in and do the role. That was another redundancy built into the Eastman memo plan. Instead, the reason why this plan didn't go off at all was Pence said, no, fuck this, I'm just going to do what the rules say. And he went through counting electoral, electoral votes like normal. If the plan had gone through where Pence had played along or he'd recused himself and a, a sympathetic congressman had begun running the, the count, the plan was to start running through the states in alphabetical order like the rules say to do. They'd do Alabama, which was a Trump state, and then Arizona. They'd say Arizona has a mul multiple slates of electors. We're throwing out this and the other seven states with the multiple electors. And then when you add up all of those votes, you wind up with slightly more votes for Trump than for Biden, because they only added the extra electors in states that were in contention that Trump lost. So by claiming that the states that voted for Biden were dubious, they then take them out of the running at this stage, and they try to declare Trump winner here. The memo then even says that the Democrats will complain about it here, and the wording is downright childish. Let me pull it up. Sure. All right. The wording at this stage in the plan, is, this is number four, as they've numbered it. Howells, of course, from the Democrats, who now claim, contrary to Tribe's prior position, that 270 is required, says Pence, fine, pursuant to the 12th, and just this describing people as howling and Trump, is, uh, Pence is saying, quote, fine. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. 
But pursuant to the 12th Amendment, no candidate has achieved the necessary majority. That sends the matter to the House, where the votes shall be taken by states. And this is the final part of the plan. I'll skip the halfway legally worded thing. But the basic idea is that if nobody wins a majority of the electoral votes, as in there's a tie or there's a, a plurality. So let's say you had three people that actually earned electoral votes, you know, in like approximately equal measure. It goes to the House of Representatives to vote. And then each congressman there gets a vote. And at the time, Republicans outnumbered Democrats in the House. So they would have all voted for Trump, and then Trump would be president. That's how that plan could have gone, with multiple backups and redundancies in place. And none of it lines up with the way the rules are actually intended to work. Because that clause was intended for a tie or a plurality, not a, uh, we threw out a bunch of the votes. Mm -hmm. And... As much as I dislike Pence and disagree with him on so many things, he didn't cower it out in that one moment, that one day. So he saved probably a lot of bloodshed. We probably wouldn't have had Trump as president because of this one weird trick, which is really what this memo boils down to. It's let's take take over the country with this one weird trick, right? You <laughs> said we wouldn't have had Trump with this one weird trick. Yeah, but or because what? there would have been fighting afterwards. Something would have happened. And other people would have stepped in and been very upset about this. Your, your phrasing is, is awkward. You're implying that civil war is the one weird trick rather than ab no. abusing the rules. No, no, no. I mean, this is the one weird trick. And then, yeah, you're right. This one weird trick would try to put Trump in power, but the rest of the country wouldn't fall for one weird trick. The Supreme Court could step in, stop it. The National Guard could step in, uh, arrest the couple of people involved that were like the, the, the keys in planning this. The, some police force could have stepped in and started shooting people. There's a lot that could have happened to interfere with this. But this would have put everything in question and emboldened a lot of Trump supporters. Yeah. Like our next door neighbor was on January 5th. He was flying a Trump. Uh, <laughs> he was flying a Trump Pence flag. January 7th, he was flying a different right wing flag. I think a thin blue line flag. We haven't seen the Trump Pence flag since. So because they lost, they lost a lot of favor with people that used to be on their team. People if, who only like winners. That's one way to view it. <laughs> but they, people who value credibility, if they would have gotten a joint session of the House and Senate to say that they were president, even if that were obviously legal bullshit, there are millions of people who would have gone along with that credibility. Yeah. Or who would have gone along with that because it increased the credibility. It is yeah. something from a trusted authority that they're being told. It's the big reason why we have so much vaccine problems and COVID problems is because positions of authority that people trust are telling them bad information. Like Joe Rogan. Sure, I was going to go straight to Donald Trump, but yeah, Joe Rogan too. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to trust that Joe Rogan's correct on a thing, but people trust him because he seems friendly and easy to, to listen to. And he repeats the same things over and over again. But yeah, I, I don't think that this, if this plan had gone according to Eastman's, so to the way Eastman had written it, I don't think this definitely would have led to us becoming a fascist state under Trump, but it was a necessary step in getting there. Yeah. Or at least this last election. So if this happened and then Trump had used some police force to remove key enemies and if he'd somehow strong armed the Supreme Court, yeah, yeah, we could be a fascist state right now. But this by itself, probably not. But this is real. And this also ties into a lot of other real problems. It means that they had plans for, if you've seen in the news, these bad electors from several states. And if you've been paying attention to the news, you've seen pictures of these fake documents. But Arizona puts them in. 
Uh, I believe Wisconsin had some. Pick any news source that has electors on it. You'll see them pretty rapidly. Okay. Yeah. And they're, they're key to the plan here. And this memo was internal for a long time. So they were planning this in advance. They had made these electors sometime around November 4th. They had this plan in motion. So they were ready to do this. They'd gotten their fraudulent electors in place. And the plan was to use that to formulate a coup. And I think the plan with the crowd, and this part's my speculation, I think the plan with the crowd was to encourage Congress to do the right thing, and here I am making finger quotes, where the right thing is whatever will make the crowd not attack you. More of the political pressure we were talking about earlier. Exactly. And I think they wanted this to be one of those pressure things, and it blew up early. The crowd got violent and just stormed inside without the kinds of provocation that Trump wanted to probably, per my speculation, wanted to prod them with later. Yeah. Because if Pence was standing there inside and he knew that the crowd would try to come rushing through the doors, he would have the ethical dilemma of do what the Constitution says or appease the crowd right here and now at the cost of the country in the long run. And they dismantled the crowd by the time they started the vote because you said at 6.01, the National Guard started sending people home and they didn't start to reconvene the joint session until 8 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, they... The session was barely underway when everything started happening and they had to go into recess. Yeah, shit blew up early. But now if they were in the middle of a vote and then these people started pushing their way up to the doors and they were fighting at the doors, it'd be a very different situation. Uh, if you want to hear from a lawyer about what is going on in the Eastman memo, I uh, uh, link to the Opening Arguments podcast. They have, uh, what is it, episode 528. It focuses on a lawsuit between President Trump and his niece, uh, Mary Trump. But 53 minutes in, they go over this uh, document and they cover it in great detail. And again, that's a real lawyer. And there's a link for that. I'll also link to the complete text of the 12th Amendment. That's just Wikipedia. So those are the sources on the Eastman memo to show how deadly serious this was and how this was definitely a plan by the Trump organization, by the Trump administration, to attempt to retain control of the country. There is no way, in my opinion, that this is anything other than an attempt at a coup, an attempt to seize control. And I don't Yep. I can see how someone can say that some parts of this might not might not have been there. Like, like the Oath Keepers, the terrorists they are. I could see someone saying, well, they didn't know or, or something, but I'm sure Mako's about to change my mind on all that because he's got some information on that, don't, does it, don't you? Uh, yes and no, I'm not really going to change your mind on that. Yeah, so <laughs> it is possible for different parts of all of this pro-Trump bullshit for someone to say, well, that's not part of a coup, but... We have so much evidence that it is a coup. Just this memo by itself. This isn't the kind of thing you write up if you're not seriously entertaining the idea of attempting to seize control of, of the country. And if it was some sort of, like, exercise to protect things, it wouldn't have come so close to actually happening. And there are organizations to run exercises and practice things through and ways to label your document as an exercise or practice. So... Trump is a traitor. I don't see any way around that. And anyone who supports him, I have to I have to come to terms with the idea that either this person is willingly a traitor or doesn't understand what the person they want to follow has done. Well, generally, from what I've been able to gleam, people feel like there are other greater injustices that justify doing injustices themselves. And then, of course, they're just wrong. But that is the, the mental state that they are in to try to do these things. 
So I'm not going to rebut that because I think you're correct for a lot of that. But when you talk to some of these people about what the greater injustices are, a lot of people will say that things like black people having rights is one of the greater injustices. (laughs) So yeah, fuck those people. I hope they all just fucking die. That isn't an invitation to listeners of this podcast to go out and be violent. Let them die on their own. They're not wearing masks. They're not vaccinating. Maybe sneeze on them. (laughs) The way I usually like to phrase that is just by saying the world would objectively be a better place without their presence. That is stochastic terrorism. (laughs) Unless you want to also say listeners don't go out and make it happen. (sighs) Don't do it. He stared at me for a good long time. I had to stare back hard. Luckily, I've regained my vision since that sponsor's butt. Somehow. (laughs) It turns out nothing lasts when Trump does it, even the blindness from Trump vodka. Uh, okay, so the Oath Keepers did play a major role in this, and maybe they did. They weren't in on the whole coup thing, but I'm sure you've got something. Uh, let's do the outro at the end again. That part worked really well last time because I was just editing and managed to hit the file all in order. So we might even, between some of our discussion, I don't know. Go straight to the sponsor sketch? Yeah, let's do the sponsor sketch. Editing ran long. So we have one more segment about the Oath Keepers that we'll be bringing to you in the future. At some point, we might be putting extra segments in our Patreon, but for now we're making this available for everyone. And of course, when we say at the beginning that we're going to record the outro at the end, sometimes we just sometimes forget to. So here I am doing it by myself. Thanks to Keldar for video and graphics work. Thanks to AlphaWolf294 for transcription. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Our supporters at the Evidence Investigator level or higher include Jared, Ducktape, Keldar, and Stephen Larrabee. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave a review, or you can even just tell a friend. If you're not sure where to do any of those things, or if you want to read the show notes or transcripts, you can do that online at disevidentia.com. You can support us at patreon.com slash disevidentia. We have a subreddit where you can chat about whatever at r slash disevidentia. You can tweet at us at disevidentia. We have a Discord server and a YouTube. Links in the show notes. And you can email us at contact at disevidentia.com. Copyright 2021 Blacktop Studios, Inc. Intro music was Slow by Pit X, used with permission.